You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Brian Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com and www.thefireplacechurch.org. And of course, every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, we are having church. Folks, we're having a good time. We're having community and fellowship afterwards. I can't encourage you more to get on board with us. Hang out, have a good time, make a friend, and learn something cool about Jesus. Folks, uh, I have some awesome news. We have a conference coming up real soon. It is called the Advanced Spiritual Warfare Weekend. And let me tell you, we are going to be getting into it. It's going to be three days. Three days of teaching that is going to train you, equip you to uh, engage heavenly powers, to understand and deal with realms and heavenly places, to uh, deal with bloodline genetic iniquities, to understand how to minister in the area of timeline correction. I mean, folks, we don't know how powerful what we have in Jesus is. And, and I'll tell you what, even more than that is when you learn how to apply the power that we have in him and in his finished work. And, and that is what this advanced spiritual warfare is designed to connect you with. Application, not just revelation, but application so that you can deal a whole new level of damage to the devil. And it's open to the public. It used to be that these uh, advanced spiritual warfare seminars, they were only offered to our discipleship students. It was a requirement. Unless you take taken a discipleship course with Bride Ministries, you couldn't be in our advanced spiritual warfare. And this weekend is actually the combination of two separate um, 
sessions. They, we, we had Advanced Spiritual Warfare, and then we had Advanced Spiritual Warfare Part 2. So I put them together, and it's called the Advanced Spiritual Warfare Weekend. They used to be um, priced at uh, $69.95 each. Uh, we have put them together, and... For those of you that sign up, the whole weekend is only $79.95. And I'll tell you what, it, it's going to equip you with information you're just not going to find other places. And I want to invite you to attend. You can sign up at bridemovement.com. We just have a sign up right on the front page. Just go there, bridemovement.com. Scroll down a little bit. And you can also sign up through the emails. If you're on our email list, we'll be sending another email out this weekend. Last opportunity to sign up because it's going to be the the 17th, the 18th, and the 19th. And so I want to encourage you guys, show up. Uh, it's going to be, uh, and for those of you that have not been part of our conferences, they are discussions. We actually dialogue. It's not just listen and sit. But there's an engaging that happens during the teaching where the questions get answered. Really awesome conversation happens. Fellowship happens. I think that our conferences are some of the coolest experiences. Uh, and, and, and that's not just because I'm promoting the conference. Because it, It's because I've, I've been part of them. And, and man, even I have a good time. I learn at every conference that we do. And so, folks, again... Uh, hang out with us at the Advanced Spiritual Warfare Weekend, March 17th, 18th, and 19th. Now, uh, due to circumstances beyond our control, I will not be um, at a conference in Australia the final week of March. The conference has been canceled. And uh, so just putting that piece of news out there. Now, I do want to remind you guys. We have books available, Kingdom Government and the Promise of Sheep Nations, also Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions, and the Spirit Realm. My first book, Noah's Ark, Union of Days, all available. You can grab those at our websites. I, I want to encourage you guys to do that. You know, uh, sometimes when you sit down and you read point by point what puts together a revelation, it just gives you a whole new depth of insight. And You know, they're, they're available. I, uh, I am also really excited. You know, we have two weeks left on this round of discipleship. For those of you that have been part of it, <laughs> You know, we've been having a great time, and uh, we're going to be having an, uh, another rounds of discipleship coming up in the future. We may be slightly changing the way we uh, execute that, but we do also have it on the agenda to create another class uh, on the subject of prayer specifically, and how to pray, how to pray effectively, how to put together really powerful prayers. And so, you know, I'm, I plan to be working on that. I'll let you guys know when it's ready to go and we, we make it available. Also, we do plan in the future and, and not too long down the road to do a conference on the subject of Sheep Nations. And I, I do plan to have that sometime around the end of April, the beginning of May. Look forward to that. I know that there's been a growing interest for this. And it's funny because, I mean, I wrote this book a couple years ago, but all of a sudden now it's like, yeah, we want to talk about it. So praise God, I want to talk about it too. I think Sheep Nations are a central component of God's plan for the last days. And, you know, I, I think that some of you that listen to this program, the, the missing piece of the grid that you need to understand your call is going to come when we begin to understand God's agenda for geographic redemption. And so with that said, look, we're going to get to this program. We have an awesome guest today. We have an awesome subject. And before we get to our guests, I just want to remind you guys, hey, we appreciate your giving and your support. God is 
providing for the work that we are called to do through you. Those of you that listen to this program, that connect with us, that look, if you are feeding from what this ministry is producing, sow a seed into what we are doing and and help us to continue to push the limits, to push the envelope and to Keep moving towards that next level, folks. And 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 so you can go to bridemovement.com or thefireplacechurch.org. And remember, we have a P.O. Box, P.O. Box 6173, Texarkana, Texas, 75505. I just want to say thank you for those of you that have continued to support us faithfully. We so appreciate you. So we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Again, with a gentleman that I had on the program last year, his name, John King, and we had a great conversation the last time I had him on, talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. We just uh, connected like old friends, and um, man, I, I, I plan to have a really good time again today. Now, John King was born in 1980, and... Born, born again... I'm trying to do you a favor here, brother. <laughs> we, would, we would have a problem if I had a child at three years old. That that would okay. be an issue. <laughs> All right. So so the truth is that he was actually born again in 1980. But see, this, when he talks, you just hear so much Holy Spirit, it's hard to tell where John <laughs> stops and where the, the Holy Spirit starts. And so... The thing is, is that he was born again in 1980. He immediately started seeking God's will for his life, spent countless hours seeking God's face while he was studying the Word, and he's been married for over 33 years. Uh, he and his wife have applied the truths he's discovered to his marriage, uh, to leading, uh, being led by the Holy Spirit, to raising their children, which actually is where we're going to focus today because we're going to be talking, folks, about uh, family dynamics and raising children uh, with the help of God. <laughs> and John has so much, and, and, and he works with people, counsels people in this area, has had uh, a lot of fruit come out of his ministry. John, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you very much. It is good to be back, uh, Daniel. Really uh, happy to be able to share with you uh, again. You know, I'm, I'm happy to have you back, John. And 
when we had our first conversation, you, you told me about how you spent a lot of time working with people and families, specifically uh, in marriage areas, also in dealing with children. And I'll tell you what, we don't really focus heavily on how to help people overcome, you know, parenting questions or things. But I'm going to tell you what, a lot of our audience has children and they are looking for strategies for better connecting with their children, better influencing their children, figuring out how to help their children get out of the the devil's snare. Uh, There's so much. I mean, this conversation is is so relevant. and, And while we don't give it much attention on my podcast, this, you know, this platform, it deserves some, and I'm glad that we have you to help us talk about it. So, well, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad to do it. Amen. Well, amen. Now, let me just ask this question: um, How did God get you on a track to uh, be ministering to people in the area of you know family and 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 children? Well, you know that that's a good question. It's something I didn't expect. But um, one time I was minding my business, reading the Word of God, and I was, I was over in, and as I'm speaking to you, I'm just kind of turning to it, but I was over in um, Isaiah, the 58th chapter. <clears throat> and I was just reading through, you know, I kind of do my study meditation kind of early, early in the morning, <laughs> 3 o'clock, <laughs> 4 o'clock in the morning, because it's quiet, and you can hear, you know, you can really hear the Holy Spirit. And I was um, reading, and as I was going through the 58th chapter of Isaiah, when, it, when he's teaching on the fast of the Lord and, and what it means to fast, when I got to the 12th um, verse, it says, Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to dwell in. And as I was reading it, it ended up reading me. It was speaking to me. And I could hear clearly the Lord saying that he had called me to repair the breach between married couples and to establish again the foundations and from that point forward Daniel everything I was reading in the Word of God was speaking about marriage and 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 that shouldn't be weird to us because it is called the Old and the New Testament it's the Old and New Covenant the whole Bible is a book of covenant mm-hmm. And so, uh, and of course, in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the, the thing that Paul compares, the only thing we read that's compared to Christ and the church is marriage. He says, but I speak a mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church after he gives all this teaching on husbands, love your wives as your own body, and uh, wife should honor submit to her husband as unto the Lord. And he says, this is a mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And yes. so it's amazing to me. Um, and what the Lord has shared with me and taught me concerning marriage and, um, and that, that whole insight of how the man is built 
and how he receives communication and how the the woman is built, how she receives communication, and it's totally different from each other. That's why we're given different instructions. For the husband, he says, love the wife as your own body. But to the wife, he says to her, submit yourself. Honor your husband. That's two different sets of instructions. And it's the reason it's made that way is because of the way we're built. And I know we're kind of talking about, you know, family and about children, our focus. But, boy, I'll tell you something. Daniel, I get a chance to talk to people who've been married for 25 years and 30 years. And as I share with them the revelation of how each one is built and how they have to seek God to be able to communicate in the other person's language because it's not in them naturally, it changes their lives. It changes their marriage. They get a revelation of it. And I've seen probably 80% of the couples that we've ministered to, we've seen reconciliation. These are people who come in who had restraining orders, who all types of things are going on, who you know, dealing with affairs and things of that nature. But when they get a revelation of how they're made and, and how to communicate, it changes everything. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. And um, I, I think we're going to centerpiece this, this word communication here because, one, uh, communication often is, it sees a breakdown, not only yep. between husbands and wives, but between, between parents and children. And I think, Absolutely. I, I think you just hit on something. So, so let's actually start. Let's start with a conversation on communication between husbands and wives because I, I want to pull on some of your wisdom on this subject because even when we're talking about children, we really are talking about um, marriage uh, because yeah. God designed children to be raised in the context of marriage. And of course, unfortunately, that's not the case for a number of people. Uh, they are raising children by themselves. But let's just talk about that component of communication between man and woman first. Yes. You know, um, now, you know, I am so, I have to to relax myself because when you began to speak about marriage. No, you don't. About covenant. (laughs) I, I have to calm down, Daniel. I have to calm myself down because it is for me. It is a heart's cry. It, it's my life. And, and, and what I'm sharing, what I want to share with you right now, is not what I learned or through my wisdom. It's what God taught me himself. It's all, it, it's all wrote through the word. But it, it was him teaching me concerning communication that impacts, impacted my marriage that and, and and that has impacted so many other people's marriages. That's how powerful it is. Now, you know, I'm in my 35th year of marriage, and but when we got married, there was no counseling, there was no spiritual guidance, and so we we kind of hit this thing, you know, head on. And like so many other couples, the first years of our marriage, man, we were you would. If you came by and heard me shouting at the top of my voice, you know, uh, see, that's, that's why you never want me to do such and such and you. And you'd hear my wife, well, that's because you don't really care. And you'd be like, is John saved? The, the, 
Is he born again? You and and you would see this conflict going on, and yet we both love God with all of our heart, but unbeknownst to us, we were trying to change each other and didn't even realize it. And so the conflict was coming in. Can't why can't you just? Oh, well, why don't you just listen? We were sitting there, and after three years of it, we came to the conclusion, and this is when peace first came, I mean, a, a different level of peace for us. We came to the realization that you cannot change another person. And we decided to accept each other just the way we were. And that's when peace came. And then from there, teaching happened. And what the Lord showed me, and it, this is so amazing, you know we always read in Genesis where, where God made man, right? Um, male and female made he them. And that's, you know, that first chapter in the 26th, 27th verse. And so man and woman was all one, all one, you know. And so uh, God took woman out of man. It's not good for man to be all one. So, um, so he takes man, he takes woman out of man. And uh, Daniel, if I take a piece out of you, that means whatever I took out of you is no longer in you. Uh, agreed? Yes. And so now he takes a part out of man and he separates and now he has a man with a womb or a wombed man and in that wombed man it's still a part of Adam but they're physically separated and so within that that part that was taken out for that wombed man she receives or that female she receives seed she's built to receive seed and when she does, what she does is she harvests that thing. She, it builds in her, and what she does is she gives a manifestation of that seed. In the case of a, a sperm, it would be nine months later, here comes a child. But I can, I, can give my, I can go to the grocery store, and I can pick up whatever I want. Daniel, I can go through and pick up different things out of that grocery store, I can bring it to my wife, and she'll create a meal out of it. It's amazing, because there may, and so um, in the Word of God, in Proverbs it says that it's better to dwell on the rooftops than in the house with an angry woman. Why? You give that woman trouble, <laughs> you give her the wind, and you will reap the whirlwind. It's, and it doesn't, come, uh, it doesn't come right away. For the most part, the things that your wife may be speaking to you about because now something has broke out, now there's strife there, now we're, now we're bringing up issues, and now she's talking about things that happened six months ago, things you have forgot about a year ago, and she's speaking about them in detail. And you're like, I can't even remember that. But it's because <laughs> the seed was sown, nothing was dealt with it, and now here's the manifestation of it in your face. Yeah. And so 
with the wisdom of God and understanding how the woman is made and how that man is made, the Lord gives us insight in his word with the instructions he gives each person. So this is what he says concerning the wife, one place, and I'll just, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase. But in First Peter, the third chapter, as a matter of fact, I'm going to read it. I, I want to read it just so uh, the li- your listening audience won't think it's something I came up with, okay? <laughs> All, so right. All right. I'm going I'm to go to... I'm going to go to 1 Peter, and I'm going to go to chapter 3 and verse 1. I'm going to read out the New Living Translation. This is what it says. In the same way you wise... Wait a minute. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Okay. John? Yep. This is very dangerous territory here. I, I just uh-huh. want to warn you. Um, oh, my goodness. Is your wife listening? Yeah, she's in the house. Okay. She doesn't. She has heard this a million times. She's oh, like, okay. All right. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> ah, woo. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. First Peter three and one, New Living Translation. It says, "In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news or the word of God." Your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over. And so here, here the apostle tells wives, wait a minute. The way you're going to win your husband is without words. How do you win somebody without words? Uh, another way to look at it is giving, he's giving insight Men don't respond well to a lot of words. That's not the way we talk. Daniel, I might meet you. Look, we haven't talked probably for a year or so, correct? It's, it's been that much time. It's crazy. It's been that much time. But, but hey, it's like, hey, man, how you doing? Doing great. How's things with you? Doing great. All right. Hey, man, all's well. Yeah, all's well. And then we're good to go, man. We're good to go. And then, I, and then I'll talk to my wife and say, hey, Bridget, I, I spoke to Daniel. And she'll say, oh, yeah, how's he doing? I'll say, he's doing great. Then she'll say, wow, well, listen, uh, how, any kids? Are they, is he married? I'll say, well, you know, I, I didn't ask. Then she says, well, you know, how's the church doing? Well, you know, I, we didn't really get into depth. The next words out of my wife's mouth will be, what did y'all talk about? Because communication for men, we don't use a lot of words for the most part the way a woman does. It's a different type of communication. But you get my wife together, and she's talking to her girlfriends, and you will hear, you will hear so many words going on because they are comfortable with it, and that's the way they communicate. And so here in First Peter, the third chapter, first verse, God says, the Word of God says, even if your husband isn't obeying his word, the way you're going to win him over, it's not going to be with words. Because he doesn't respond to words the same way you do. But for the wife, and here's the crazy part about it, Daniel, for the wife, it's natural for her to use words to express herself. So now 
God is saying, what's natural to you, what comes natural to you, you're not going to be able to use to win your husband. And so on purpose, God has given that man a type of communication he receives that's not natural to the wife. And vice versa, we'll talk about that husband. And so now the only way for that wife to know how to effectively communicate to that husband, she's actually going to have to seek God to know how to speak to that man in such a way that he'll receive what she's saying. Now, that, and so, go ahead. Now, oh, that's powerful. You're really nailing But I have to ask you a question. Go ahead. Have to do it. But John, how can you submit to somebody you can't trust? Watch this. I'm, I'm so glad you asked that question. Because you can't. Now watch this. You, you can't submit to someone you can't trust. And so you have to submit to someone you can trust. And so the word of God says, Submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. You can't submit to your husband. You're submitting to God. And so what this wife is saying is she's really saying, she's not verbalizing it, but when she has this revelation, she can say this to her husband. The only reason I'm submitting to you is because the one I'm submitted to told me to. And so now her submission to her husband is actually a worship unto God because she's saying, not my will, God, not my will, Father, but your will be done. So now she's using her husband as an act of submitting to her Lord and Savior. She's showing her love for God through her husband. Isn't that amazing? So now worship, marriage becomes a worship unto God, the purest form of it. Not my will, Father, but your will be done. The only reason I'm submitting to this man is because you told me to. Isn't that something? Okay, so we're talking about communication. I, I can't wait yes, to hear the flip are. side. So, so, okay, uh, I really love this, right? Women are, are not given the communication that their husband is going to receive by nature. And, and of course, right. we're, we're, we're talking about generalities here because there are some men that will talk your head off. Absolutely, yes. And, and there are some women that don't say a word. But, okay, now, how, how does the flip side work, though? Before we hit the flip side, let, let me also state this for the record. That way you, you hopefully you won't get too many letters or things in. But I am, when, I, when we're talking about submission, we are not talking about things that are ungodly. We are not talking about things that are against the will of God. He never, you don't submit to physical abuse. You know what I'm saying? You, you don't stay in that situation saying, well, the Lord told me to submit. No, you don't submit if someone tells you, hey, I want you to go and and lie for me concerning such and such, 
because I need this business. No, that that we draw a line there. So when we're talking about submitting, uh, we are talking about those things that uh, that are godly, those things that God has approved. Not ju- you're just not submitting to anything someone tells you to do. So I just want to state that, okay? Well, and, and it's really right. good that you did that because, um, you know, especially with, like, my program, we do reach a lot of people that are coming yeah. out of um, satanic ritual abuse situations, cults. Yep, um, yep. You know, they, they have uh, spouses that are their handlers, will do things yep. like take them to satanic rituals, prostitute them. Um, and, and, folks, when, when, when these kinds of things are going on, that's not— it's the religious programming says you need to submit to that. Um, that's not our conversation here today. So I, I just thank you, John, for saying that um, without breaking the flow. Let's yes. go to what you were getting to on the flip side. Okay. And the flip side, which is the husband loving the wife, <clears throat> on the flip side of that, hmm. uh, which is normally what I start with, <laughs> that, oh, that okay. way All the right. wives are much more calm as I'm <laughs> As a minister, they, they're okay because I've already dealt with the man. So that's, that's my norm. Amen. That's for safety's sake, Daniel. That's for safety. So, but here's the flip side. And this is what I deal with because now when I seek God in my prayer time, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking. He's not talking to me about what my wife needs to do. That's not what the Lord talks to me about. He talks to me about what I need to do. And so with the husband, this is our command. Love your wives as Christ loves the church. Now that's huge. That's huge. That's so big. I I mean, it it takes so much. to. There's so much that's involved in that. Then he says again, love your wives as you love your own body. And, And Daniel, let me just tell you, where the revelation of this came. I was probably maybe 24 years old, right? 25. And, and me and my wife had got into it about something. We, you know, got into the, one of those little strife pieces about something. And we were supposed to be going out to get something to eat uh, that day. And, you know, when you're, when you're mad at your wife, you, you, I, basically you don't want to take someone no, no place to spend money when, he, when y'all just got into it about something. But this is what I said. As I'm standing there, I'm thinking, and I said to the Lord, Daniel, I said this. I said, Lord, the only reason I'm, I'm going to take her out is because I know you want me to. And Daniel, the Lord spoke to me when I said that, and this is what he said. He said, that's fine with me. And I was thinking that I was getting ready to be rebuked by God because of my attitude, but he said, that's fine with me. And then I thought about it. I said, John, you just told the Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And, and, and the light shined, and I said, oh, my goodness, I just worshiped God through loving my wife. And so now, I, this is the lesson I learned, man. This is so huge. This is so powerful. Mm-hmm. I can say this, Father, Father God, watch how much I love you. I'm going to show you my love. Bridget, you know, my wife, let's go out. You want to go out for breakfast? Father, 
Let me show you how much I appreciate you, Bridget. Let's go on vacation. I worship God through my wife because, Daniel, my wife is his daughter. My wife is his daughter. And so when I take care of his daughter, he loves it. Mm -hmm. So much so that I obtain favor mm -hmm. from him. Oh my gosh. Because I'm taking care of his little girl. Isn't that amazing? Wait a minute. What does this have to do with covenant, John? Oh, my goodness gracious. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just... <laughs> Now, now don't now don't calm yourself down too much here, brother. <laughs> I'm trying to look. I'm standing up. I just want you to know I am standing up because this is too much for me. <laughs> what a revelation! What a revelation! And so I I came home one day when we first got married. You know, we put our little money together to get our sing our, our one bedroom apartment. You know, we we. We, it's, we've been married 30, going on in our 35th year, haven't been on officially a honeymoon yet. Because <laughs> we didn't, when we got married, we just wanted to be together, even though we believe it. We've been all over Japan, every place, all of that stuff. But I came home one day. We've been married one year, and my wife had boxes packed at the door. And when I came home from my little new job I had, I said, oh, are we going someplace? And, and Daniel, this is what she says. God is the one who's give, given us our children. He doesn't want us to live this way. And I, she started preaching to me. I didn't know what was, had went on while I was at work. But when I got home, she, she had packed. And I said, okay, I agree. And we moved based on her faith. And, Daniel, when we moved to a two-bedroom apartment, my income increased. I still don't know how. And we did not miss. We were still struggling, but nothing changed. And I, I noticed something. I said, wait a minute, Lord. You just increased us and, and moved us to a different place based on what your daughter desired. You just increased me based on what my wife's desire was. And so that was, uh, I got a, a little view of something. A year afterward, she said, I want to move to a home. And so the, I, I'd learned something about what, what God and how he was dealing with and how he works through my wife. So I said, okay, when I said it, the Lord, we found a place, and the Lord told me how much to purchase. He said, offer them 110000 They were all They were looking at 126000 He said, offer them 110000 And this was for a side-by-side -side duplex for the whole thing. I, my mom was going to move in one side. We were moving in the other. But the Lord, because she wanted to move, the Lord empowered me, empowered me on my job, dealt with my income, gave me how much to pay for it because of her. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you are honoring my wife and blessing me to do it. And so here is the covenant. Here's the covenant. 
Here's the covenant. The blood was shed, right? And we've got the blood of the new covenant was shed for us so we could become one with Christ Jesus. And because we've become one in Christ, now we become heirs of God because we're in this covenant, and now we're joint heirs with Christ. And so now we get married. Me and my wife get married, and we go into this covenant. And just like Christ and the church, we become one before God. So now the Lord sees us as one. We're both as one, the bride of Christ. And so we're heirs together of the life of God. And so now we're operating as one in Christ Jesus, and we're, we're receiving the promises that Christ has secured for us. We're walking in those promises. And so now it's, um, you know, Second Peter 1 and 3, that he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, whereby through these precious promises, we, we, uh, we receive the divine nature, we, we walk in the divine nature of God, and we escape the lusts of the world. And so now that whole covenant peace that's in Christ, it's, it's stamped on us as a married couple. But now as I love my wife, as I, as I love my own body, and I'm not drawn into strife, now I can hear clearly from God, and the things that she desires, he, he uses me to provide for her, and then blesses me because I'm taking care of her. So it's, it's wild, Daniel. Here, God is the one who's providing for us, but because I'm the husband or the head of the household, he uses me to provide for her, and yet he blesses me because of the provisions he's given me to provide for her. I know that sounds strange, but what I'm saying is that covenant of marriage is, is hooked in so tight with Christ and the church that there is no difference. But, but, let, but let me say that in, that in the same breath. You do not have Christ in the church without the cross. You don't have the covenant without a cross. And, and so that cross experience is when something is said to that wife by that husband that hurts her heart. Or something is said to the husband by the wife that, that, that demeanors or, or, you know, that makes him feel worthless. And, and what, did, what did Christ say? He's on that cross. They are putting nails through his hands and through his feet for these people, for his bride. And they're saying, crucify him. But do you remember what he said on that cross? He said, Father, forgive them, because they know not what they're doing. Or you could put it this way. For the husband and wife, Lord, forgive, forgive him because he doesn't know how that made me feel, what he just said. And so in that marriage scenario, situation, you've given up your rights for unforgiveness. 
You've given up your right to just say whatever is on your mind. Why? Because now you're in such a relationship with your father who's given you insight and understanding of how to love one another, how to honor one another, that you've got to keep your heart clear that you can hear his voice for his direction. Does that make sense? Brother, Amen. I think you're, uh, you're nailing it. And so now, how does that extend into the conversation on children, right? Um, yeah. Let's centerpiece this maybe um, on communication. You've okay. established how men and women receive communication and uh, give communication differently. Now, how does that relate to the the parent-children relationship? Yeah, and let me, let me say one other thing on the husband-wife. Just let oh, me absolutely. give one example so, so they'll kind of get the difference in communication. If a, um, I had someone, I was talking to someone the other day, and they were saying, yeah, you know, my, you know, they're, they're trying to get their relationship repaired. Right now they're separated. And, but the wife kind of hurt herself, and, uh, you know, so she was uh, at, at a different place, you know, where she's staying at. And he said, yeah, my wife, I, I talked to her. She said, you know, she told me, you know, I hurt, I hurt myself, hurt my foot, but, you know, I don't, you know, I don't need any help or whatever. And I had to tell him, I said, man, that's not what your wife was saying. Your wife just said, that she needs your help. That's the way she communicates it. But she doesn't want to say to you, come over and help me. She wants it to be a part of your loving and caring about her. And so she says, but I don't need your help. That's not what she just said. That's not the way they communicate. So if, a, if your wife says to you, boy, we don't ever go anywhere. We don't ever go out to eat. That's not what she just said. She just said, I would like to go out to eat. It's a difference in communication. Where she says, you know, we never or, you know, I've told you a million times to do such and such. That's, she's just, she just said, I, I really want you to do this. And so in our, the way our minds work, most men, for the most part, we hear we don't ever go out to eat. The first thing we do is think of the last time we took them out to eat. <laughs> you know, well, man, we went to McDonald's on Monday. You know, I went over here. And so because that's the way our mind works. But that's not the way they communicate. The communication is different. And so, Daniel, and, and here it is, and, and we don't have time to go into it. I'm not going to even try to touch on it. But no longer are you just listening to the words husband or wife. What you're doing for the born-again believer, you're discerning the spirit in which it's said. You're discerning the spirit of the conversation, not the words, but the spirit of it. And you, and you know when you're speaking with your wife or the husband, you can tell when there's a spirit of strife. You can tell whether you're talking to friends. This, this, is, this goes much further than husband and wife. You can tell when there's something between you and a friend and there's, you know, something was said and there's a different spirit there. Well, when that, when that different atmosphere is there, when that different spirit is there, there's certain things you do not want to discuss because the spirit of that 
conversation isn't right. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to throw that in. Let me tell you, I do an eight-week course on this, so we, we can only tap it. But, but, but it's a spirit of discerning. It's, it's knowing when you're – I have to discern when I'm not, not in the right spirit. Because it, at that time, it is no sense in me talking to my wife about anything. Because everything I say, because the spirit isn't right, it doesn't matter if I say Jesus loves you. It's getting ready to come out wrong. And so that's another subject. But concerning, <laughs> uh, concerning the children, and I just want to start with this because I really want to be a, a, bless, a blessing to your listeners concerning this. I'm going to focus in on... Dealing with uh, that older that older child, that that teenager, that that one that's hitting those turbulent years, and 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 the reason I want to share this is because um, this is what the, the what we dealt with, me and my wife dealt with with our oldest um, son, and you know when we first got married, and <clears throat> I a lot of times I found that a lot of the ministers, I don't know if this is you, Daniel, or not. But a lot of the, they, they, they have a saying, the black sheep of the family, the, the wild one of the bunch. <laughs> but many times, God will call the, the, the one who seems furthest from him, he'll call him in the ministry. I mean, he'll, he'll use Peter, who will curse you out in the New, New York minute, you know, cut the, the priest's ear off, and he'll use him to be a pillar of the church. Um, the, the Word of God said there are not many noble among you, you know, and so it, it, it lets us know God will use sometimes the worst child in a situation to glorify his own self. And so I was that child. No. At 16, I, yeah, I was, I was the one. I don't I believe the that. One. Yeah, I, I know, right? And the, the people who knew me before I got saved, they couldn't believe who I was after I got saved. So I was a 16-year-old that, you know, was, you know, I ended up, 17, 18, telling my mom I hated her. I was, I was the child. I told my mother one time I'd kill her, Daniel. I was the one who, you know, was getting, getting high. I was the one, because I was in that music scene. I used to play for a group called the Shylights, and I was doing tours over in Japan and over in Germany and all that when I was 19, 18, 19 years old. And so I was in that fast lane. And I was enjoying sin. You know, I was, I was, I had everything you would think you, you want. But there was always something empty in me. And like you said at the top of the broadcast, at 20 years old, I sought out God and he filled me with the Spirit and changed my life forever. Well, with that, this was my thought. I, I wasn't married yet, but in my mind I said, okay, when I have my children, I'm going to tell them all the things that they need to be aware of. I'm going to introduce them to the Lord, and they are not going to have to go through what I went through. So that was my mindset for children. And so I got married. I got married at 23 years old. And now I've got my three children. And now my, my oldest, when he was seven years old, he would asked me, hey, Dad, wake me up. I want to pray with you. And I would pray at 5 in the morning and because he had a heart towards God. He was the son that you give him something to do, Daniel, he would do an excellent job, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I had my other, ch- my other two children, wonderful kids, but here's my oldest. But when, when he reached 15, 
we were at church, and, and this is what he said one time. We were leaving church. He said, he said, good is boring. And it took me by surprise because I, I didn't even know what to say, how to respond to that. And so I kind of brushed it off. But then a little while later, you know, maybe a month or so, this is what he said. We were at church. He said, you can't make me go to church. And I didn't know how to respond. I just came up with this. Well, I can't make any child that, that doesn't live in my home go to church. But for every child that's in my house, <laughs> they will be at church. And so if you're no longer a part of my house, don't know how you're going to get where you're going, where you're going to live. But good luck. And, uh, you know, I'm just talking to him because we're at church. And then he, but he gets in the car and, and we go home. And so I kind of averted. I didn't, I didn't know what to do at that point. Right. Okay. But then now he's, he's 16. He's in high school. And I get called up to the school, you know, because he's been ditching, you know, he's not been going to class, or his grades are falling off. And, and so, you know, we're trying to do everything we know to do. This is, my children were, were raised with vacations, you know, instruments. Uh, they wanted to play. We would get instruments for them. I mean, they, they were raised in a very good environment very good environment but now I am finding myself being called because he's at a police station with some friends they were going into you know some place where there's no trespassing kind of a slap on the wrist and I had to get him take him home then I talked to him and say hey man you know what are you doing you know with, with your school and you need to stay in school and I'm doing what parents do I'm doing the best I can and, you know, he's full of the Word of God, so he knows what's right. And so now, you know, now things are getting worse. And, uh, you know, now I'm, I've been called into this police station in this village, and here's a, another one. Here's a fourth one. Then I say, well, maybe if I let him stay overnight in the station, maybe that'll kind of wake him up. But it just gets worse. Now, you know, it's at nighttime, 10 o'clock, go downstairs, and he has went through a window, and he's gone out the house. And so if you're a parent, you know, you've got, when you don't have a child in your home and, you know, it's 10, 11 at night, you, you don't sleep. And so, so now I get in the car, I go around to where his friends, uh, where his friends hang out and just see if I see, see him or whatever. He, he gets home and I'm in his face, you know. Man, where have you been? You know, what is wrong with you? You know, I'm just, I'm mad. He's mad and and so everybody's mad, and, but it's not getting any better. It's not getting any better. Now, you know, he gets arrested, and I have to go up to court, and I, I see them bring my, my son in in an orange jumpsuit with handcuffs around his hands and around his ankles. And this is at 17, and, and so, um, man, my heart, my wife couldn't even go anymore to court. We'd been so many times, it, it was just too much for her. And Daniel, when I would leave that court and they would take him back, I would be weeping as I walked through the parking lot, man, trying to figure out what did I do wrong? What did I 
do wrong. And, and you know the way Satan talks. He always gives you questions, but he never gives you answers. Maybe you should have got him a bigger computer. Maybe I should have got him a bigger computer when he wanted one. Maybe I should have did this. Maybe I should have did that, and, but there are no answers. There are no real answers. And so you've got this condemnation that many parents who, who've had a child that, that went off, they're dealing with a bunch of condemnation. And so I, um, I'm, I'm in bed, and it's, it's 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm up. I'm still thinking about my son, wondering what I, what I should have done differently. And, uh, and I, my, my, while I'm this 1 in the morning, I say, hey, Bridget, my wife, I said, what are you thinking about? She says, oh, I'm thinking about our son. And so I knew it was the spirit keeping us up because we're both thinking about the same thing at the same time and giving no answers. But, but here is the pivotal point in everything, and this is what changed our lives forever. When I woke up that morning, the Lord spoke to me, and this is what he said. He said, what about my two children? And, and I said, what two children? And the Lord said, Adam and Eve. He said, I gave them the world and told them not to do one thing. And the one thing that I told them not to do, they did it. And then he asked me this question, Daniel, and it changed me and my wife. It broke all condemnation off of our lives forever. This is what he said. He said, are you a better parent than I am? Are you a better father than I am? And so you look at that. God himself raised his children perfectly, and yet they went off the deep end <laughs> when, they, when Adam ate that fruit. Amen? Mm. <laughs> so, wow. so, so now... This is what the Lord said to me, and um, I wrote a book. I've got a little mini book. It's called Deliverance for the Rebellious Child. Now, the reason I wrote this book is because when I would talk to parents, I talked to so many that were dealing with, with rebellious children, the same type of things that I didn't have time to share with them all the scriptures and everything, so I just put it in a little mini book that for, for my church, at my church, because, you know, people would ask me, do you know in that bookstore that they have sold already over 1,000? People will buy them and come back and get five and ten more to give to their friends. There's nothing in it except what the Lord told me. <laughs> and, and so the Lord spoke to me, said, uh, you know, he asked the question, are you a better father than I? And so that broke the condemnation. And this is what he said. He said, what you've been doing, he says, you've been trying to tear up the bad in the way you've been talking to him or communicating with him, and you've been tearing up the good. And then he gave me this passage, and it's found, I'm, I'm just kind of turning to it right now, it's found in Matthew, the um, 13th chapter, and the 24th verse. And this is the parable that the Lord gave me. It says, another parable he, he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came 
and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced the crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And the Lord told me I had sown good seed in the field of my son's heart. And then verse 28 says this. He said to them, An enemy has done this. And then the servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? He said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. And the Lord said, the way you've been talking to your son, you've been trying to tear up the tears, and you've been tearing up the good at the same time. And so what was I saying to him at that time? Man, you need to stay in school. If you don't stay in school, how are you going to be a success in life? You need to, you need to, you need to, I'm just, I'm, on, I'm trying to tear up the bad, but I'm tearing up the good. And so what the Lord said is, from now on, say to your son only what I've already said about him. So now you're talking about the, the power of communicating the things that God has already spoken. There's nothing on the face of this earth that's more powerful than the Word of God. And so I started seeking out what the Lord had already said. Well, Isaiah 54, 13, it says, All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. And that word peace means, it comes shalom is what it reads in the Hebrew. But it means to be well, to be happy, to be friendly, healthy, to have favor to be prosperous, to have rest, to be safe. And so from now when I would talk to my son, I would say, Brian, God has great plans for you. He's called, you're going to be a world changer. He's called you to be a blessing in the people, in other people's lives. So now I'm speaking things that be not as though they were. And this is, now wait a minute, this is why, wow, I can, I can see his eyes are glassy. This is, this is wow, he's got that look of, on his face where he don't want to hear. It doesn't matter because now I'm speaking what God has already said over his life. But what am I doing in prayer time? In prayer on my knees in that secret place is where I am doing battle for my son. You know, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. You said, great is the peace of my son. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of darkness that would blind his mind. In the name of Jesus, I come against any corrupt communication, even that which your people are speaking in his, in his life. In the name of Jesus, I come against and call that relationship to fall. Father, I pray that you would cause everyone who means my son any type of harm, that your fear would come upon their life, that they would know that this young man is chosen by you and has a covenant with you. 
And so when I speak to him, I'm saying what God said. But when I pray, I am praying, doing warfare according to the word of God. When we started doing that, that's when we began to see a change in his life. So what did the Lord, what else did the Lord teach me? He said, do not curse your children. Mm. What does that Mm. mean? Mm. I would say this. If you don't go to school, you'll never amount to anything. That is not the word of God. Yes, we want our children in school, but the Lord didn't say, if thou shalt not go to school, thou shalt not amount to anything. (laughs) That's not (laughs) what he said. He said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, that's when everything's added. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me and I'll direct your path. And so I was saying things out of a, you know, it was good to me. I, I, I didn't think, but I was actually cursing my son, saying that he wouldn't amount to anything if he didn't do such and such. And so I had to change that. In Proverbs 19:18 it says, "Chasten your son while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction." Don't set your heart. If you keep this up, you know this is what's going to happen to you. Okay, you keep you keep living that life and such a, and watch what's going to happen. You're cursing your own children and don't know it. That was a huge lesson. The other lesson that the Lord taught me, I was in Sunday school, and I was just teaching Sunday school, and this is what he said. He said, many parents are trying to play God in their children's lives. He said that your children do not belong to you, but I just gave them to you to raise up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, but they belong to me. This is the way I heard it. There are no grandchildren in heaven. When, I, when I'm in heaven, when I'm with the Lord, my son isn't my son. I say, yo, go do this or go do, uh-uh. My son is my brother. As weird as that sounds to parents, I know that sounds weird to me. Hmm. But my daughter is my sister because there are, we're all God's children. There are no grandchildren in heaven. And so I had to renew my mind, and this is what the Lord said to me. And the Word of God says in 127 Psalms, verses 1 through 3, it says that unless the Lord keeps the city, the watchman watches in vain. And this is what the Lord shared with me. He said, John, you could have your arms around your son. You could be holding on to him, and you don't have the power to keep him. He said, your son could die while he's in your arms. He said, unless I keep your son, he won't be kept. And so now I had to get that straight. And then me and my wife placed the trust of our son's life in the Lord's hands. And while he was still out there doing what he was doing, we, we a peace came over us where we could actually sleep at night. We had to put him out because he was disrespectful in the house, 
At that point, we had to put them out. But yet, because we knew that we had given them over to the Lord, there was no fear in us at all that our son would lose his life or something crazy would happen to him where it would mean his destruction. Can a parent put an adult child out of their house and say they are loving their child? Let me ask you this question, Daniel, mighty man of God. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, and I, I ask that question because people, they, I, I, I've seen it happen. I love my adult child that's being very disrespectful and destroying things, putting holes in the wall, bringing all kinds of spirits into them. But I can't put them out of my home because then that will tell them that God doesn't love them and neither do I. So I now, really let, want your wisdom. Let, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this question Almighty man, <laughs> or a kung fu grasshopper, you know, he would give you lessons. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this question. Yes. Did God put his two children out? My gosh. The answer is yes. He put them out of the garden and put an angel with a flaming sword on the interest so they couldn't come back. He put them out the crib, as we would say. <laughs> he put, God put his own two children out, but he never cursed them, did he? My goodness. He never cursed them, but he had to put them out. There comes a time when that child, now when that child is 12, 13, you, you, you got to use the wisdom because no matter what that child does while he's out, or she's out, you as a parent are held responsible. That is, that's how it is in Illinois. That's the way the law is here. As a matter of fact, at the age of 17, you can't make them go to school. You can't make them do anything, yet you're responsible if they do something. If they, you know, burn up someone's home or whatever may happen, you're responsible as a parent. Now, at age 8, it's a no-man's land. Age 17, by law here, is no-man's land in, you know, in America. But at age 18, now they become responsible. So you've got to use the wisdom of God in some things. But when a child begins to disrupt the home, no longer respects you or respects that uh, 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 is a danger to other siblings in the home, the, your proof of your love is to put them out. But watch this. You're not just putting them out and, and now they're, they're just out for, for the enemy to to destroy their life. No, you're putting them out because you have to. They're disrespecting the home. But you are covering them in prayer according to the Word of God. In other words, you can't do that without having your confidence in what God said concerning your children. Great is the peace of your children. Or um, if you br bring a child up in the way that he should go and later... He won't depart. And later, he won't depart. And there's another passage, and you see, I'm all in the Word because it takes the Word of God. It takes faith to protect your children. It takes the Word of God. But there is another passage. Oh, my goodness. You're going to love this And, and as I'm looking for it. Um, mm -hmm. And what it, what it says, and let me just 
grab my word. You know how you have your Bible well, and you it, know it's where it's right, at. Because you can't I'm, pull the number, but I'm, you know where it's at in that word. But it, it, it tells, and I think it's in Ezekiel. Let me just take a real quick look and see, because I, I love reading this, because when you look at the word your own self, what it does is it strengthens your heart. It actually is Jeremiah, the 31st chapter, and the 16th and the 17th verse. And listen to this, Daniel. Listen to what it says. It says, Thus says the Lord, Refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. Isn't that powerful? Yes. Did, did, the, did the prodigal son leave the house? Yeah, he left. Because he, he wanted to live a different lifestyle. I know parents that put up with their children getting high, do, doing drugs in their home, because they want to make sure they're in a safe environment. They don't understand the Word of God. They don't understand the purpose of God. And they don't realize that those children belong to him. And so really, they're operating in fear, doing something that they have no business. They're, they're actually putting the whole family in jeopardy by doing some of the things that they allow, but not by allowing that child to do certain things. Wow. Yeah. John? Oh, yeah. I'm thinking about changing the name of this program to Discovering the Truth with Daniel-san. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes I just sit here, folks, and I just take notes. That, that's it. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just got to sit down and you learn. Folks, there's just so much wisdom that's been getting communicated today. And, and I, I believe that a lot of you that are listening to this program are going to be able to take nuggets from this for you, your specific situation whether it's in the area of children or in marriage, because John, you've yeah. kind of, I mean, you've nailed on both of those subjects. And uh, I, I just, at this point want to ask, look, is there anything that you want to add on to all that you have shared or any other additional wisdom that you uh, want people to hear? Yeah. You know, I, I just want to, say this in, in closing, and that is with, whether it be with the marriage uh, situations and the challenges that can come along with, you know, two people coming from two totally different backgrounds, all of a sudden being put in the same location, or um, if it comes from, you know, dealing with uh, maybe a child that's rebellious or children that are rebellious and, and you, you know, kind of out of control. The one thing that um, you, you've got to remember in both cases, and that is your fight isn't against flesh and blood. Um, in uh, the Message Bible in Psalms 127, chapter and verse 3, it says, Don't you see that children are God's best gift? Don't you see that? And so even though your child is acting a certain way, that's exactly what they're doing. They're acting. It's not who they really are. When I got born again and I went to, to my mom to apologize, and I said, Mama, you know, Mama, I'm so sorry. You know, I, 
you know, I, I, I said that I, I hated you. I said, Mama, that was someone else. I was in tears, man. That was someone else. I said, that wasn't me. And it was. I was in darkness. And so to remember when we say things that hurt one another, that don't charge it to the person. Understand that it's, it's spiritual, that your, your fight isn't against your husband or against your wife. Your fight isn't against that child, but it's against principalities. It's against powers, Ephesians, you know, 6 and 12. Uh, it's, it's, and so what you're doing, you're loving the person, but coming against the spirit that's influencing the person to do wrong. And so with um, whether, you know, we, uh, many, many of us have loved ones that's, uh, you know, in, the, uh, in, in, in that whole uh, community where same-sex marriage and things of that nature and all of that, it, you, 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 you love people because it's the same as someone being committing adultery. You love the people. You love the people because God loves them. But you hate the enemy, Satan, because he's the one who deceives our kids. He's the one who had me deceive. When that light shined, I could see, and I was a changed person. Praise God, I was able to take care of my mother all the days of her life. Amen. I got a reprieve from the governor. I was able to, to take care of my mom and all of that, so she got her son back. So that's what I want to say is remember that, for one thing, that you're not fighting against flesh and blood. So don't, don't look at the person and, and hate them. You're never going to hate your children. You're going to love your children. You're going to love your spouse. And then the other thing is your um, victory is in the Word of God. It's meditating on the promises that God has already made concerning you, concerning your marriage, concerning your children. This is what he says in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, I'm just paraphrasing, on the eighth verse, it says, knowing this, that whatever good you do for anyone, you shall receive the same from the Lord. And so I know, because I love my wife, that I'm receiving my my um, reward is coming from God. You know, you, you mentioned earlier, how can you submit to somebody that you can't trust? Right, you're not, I'm, I'm submitting to God. I know that me loving others is God says, John, I'm going to be your reward. Don't worry about it. So I'm free to love. I'm free to forgive because I'm not looking for something from anybody else. I'm looking for my reward from God. That is Christ and the church. Amen. Hey, That's man, it. Amen. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I just want to add as a, as, a, as a little just uh, insert here. You know, I loved the way, John, at the beginning of the program um, that you, you were talking about covenant and you were talking about how when you love your wife, uh, you are loving God and God honors yes. you and how together you are co-heirs with Christ as a unit. Yes. And there's this concept in the Bible and I've been uh, on this concept, you know, at, at the fireplace church, I've been, uh, we, we've done weeks on this subject called in Christ as, as a matter of fact. Oh yeah. Ministries, oh, that's powerful. We have a whole eight week course on in Christ. And I, and I call that's him. Powerful. Oh, 
I call him Hotel Jesus, John, because <laughs> we enter him and explore his depths. And what people don't realize is that the Bible says in Romans 8.39, um, for the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yes. And the location of covenant that is in him is the source point. It really, and this is all relationships. Yes, it we is. pull on Jesus to love others. And, and that is something that God has always taken me to a new depth of understanding. Because no matter how many times you say those words, our, our, our manifestation of that truth only goes but so deep at any given point in our lives. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what, John, um, I, I was just, that was just resonating in me while you were talking. And I'm like, yes, yes, that's right. And, you know, I just want to encourage everyone that's listening to this program, uh, recognize who you are inhabiting because you are inhabiting Christ and he is the source of the void that you may be facing or struggling with when you're trying to yep. love your spouse, when you're trying to love your kids, you're trying to yes. go through it with behavior modification. That's religion. Mm. Don't yep. produce a difference. Let Jesus produce a transformation in you. Yeah. And yeah, I... Our love, the human love falls short. Mm. Human love falls short. The love that we love that you have to do this with is his love. It's got to be the love of God. And when you were mentioning the love of God, I, the thought came, the scripture says that the love of God constrains us. Yeah, the, the, the love of God is what empowers us to have patience. It's in him that we have peace. It's in him. And so absolutely, that in Christ, boy, that, what a powerful. It, people who have a revelation of who they are in Christ are some of the most powerful people on the face of this earth. <laughs> Wait a minute. We're going to end this program before we record another one, John, because now you can get me fired up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness wow well folks uh we've been having a really really great time with john king now the last time i had you on my program a year ago john uh there was no ability for people to get a hold of like say your materials but you did mention a book if if people are listening and they say you know i really want that book of uh, scriptures and explanations that you made available to your church is there any way they could get that from you somehow? You know, yes, they can. They can, they can email me, and people do, and, and I'll send them a copy of that book. It's with the mail out in the United States. It's, it's just seven bucks. Um, it's, a little, it's a mini book, but it is packed. But, yes, if they email me at, um, should I give an email address, or do you want to give it on, the, um, uh, on your mail out or anything? It doesn't matter. But they can email me, and in the subject, just put, uh, uh, please send a copy of your book or a copy of the book. The name of the book is Deliverance for the Rebellious Child. Deliverance for the Rebellious Child. And uh, my uh, email address, I'll just say it, yeah. spell it, it's manifestedworks at msn.com, and that's M-A-N-I-F-E-S-T-E-D-W-O-R-K-S at msn.com. So, if you just put email me and put send me a copy, I'll know what it's about, and uh, and I'll be happy to. It will be a blessing. Amen. 
Thank you for sharing that, John. So, folks, if you are one of those that say, well, I really want to get a hold of some more of that wisdom, um, there's your resource right there. John, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to hang out with me. Folks, you've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.